Hello and welcome back to the Monetary Revolution podcast. Today we will be talking about perhaps the most important addition to the Bitcoin blockchain since the introduction of the blockchain itself. Speaking in mid to late 2021, the Lightning Network is still relatively underground. I have read almost no articles about it in the mainstream press, save for a mention here or there about El Salvador. And whilst I have heard people while out talking about what coins they've been flipping recently, I've yet to heard guys in the gym locker room chatting about the potential use cases of Lightning. In other words, the technology is still new and not even at real hype stage yet. Yet the Lightning Network is tried and tested enough for me to state that I believe, and many others do too, it will be everywhere in less than a decade. It is revolutionary. We should remember, Bitcoin was not always as perfect as it is at the moment. When Bitcoin first started gaining mainstream attention in around 2013, there were numerous problems with it. The advocates who stated it would take over the world were not believed, and their arguments, to be fair, did hold a few flaws. Think around the 2012-2013 era, when Bitcoin was first picking up attention. Its most genuine use case was on the original Silk Road marketplace. But many analysts saw one of the biggest impediments of Bitcoin as its inability to be used for even smaller micropayments. The cost of the transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain for small payments was far too high for pubs or coffee shops to realistically use Bitcoin. The broader crypto world then aimed to solve many of these issues via the use of new coins to take up this space. XRP and XLM were created as a gap in the market for a real, genuine, workable micropayment service. Charging almost no transaction fees, they were designed to fill a hole in the original Bitcoin blockchain that was not already programmed in there. However, the Bitcoin blockchain is malleable, and the technologies that would come to XRP and XLM could also be used on other blockchains. Therefore, the Lightning Network grew from both small issues in Bitcoin's original programming and subsequent technological developments in other payment networks. XLM and XRP both work perfectly well. And yet it is the Lightning Network that is the revolutionary technology. Why? Because it is on the Bitcoin network. The Bitcoin network is far more advanced than any other network. In so many different areas, it is ahead of the rest. And that is why the Lightning Network will dominate in micropayments too, even over XRP and XLM. We should all be aware, there simply isn't room in our heads to be able to use a different coin and a different blockchain for every single use case you might need new monetary technology for. You don't want to have to carry a currency for every type of transaction in the real world, just like you don't want to need to carry a coin for every type of transaction in the digital world. The Lightning Network will therefore simply outcompete XLM and XRP and any other type of micropayment. The ease of use 
the quality of transaction on the Lightning payment will mean the network will thrive, and is thriving as I write. Instantaneous payments, with practically no fees, is the future. At present, credit and debit card companies charge up to 2.5% for some transactions, with the norm being around 0.5%. This is a stunning amount of money for simply being a middleman and paying the server costs to automate the transaction. The minimal cost to payment providers is of course what they strive for, but the legacy financial industry also works to take as much of your money as it possibly can. Lightning means the transaction fees are almost zero, and what money is needed for transactions goes back into the system itself to keep itself running. Lightning is the future. It is still a few years away from mass adoption. You still need to be able to set up your own Lightning channel. Most centralized exchanges do not yet accept Lightning payments, and yet the technology is coming. The old world is coming to an end. If this was Lord of the Rings, one might say it was the end of an age. The rent-seeking that the banking system has engendered for decades, centuries, and even millennia depending on how far you zoom out, is coming to an end. Lightning may only seem like a small step from payment via credit card and debit card issued by banks and payment processors to a decentralized payment processor. It may seem like small fry compared to the mass theft caused by various debt-based practices banks love to engage in. But Lightning is merely a small part of the broader monetary revolution. There have been many criticisms of Bitcoin. Not all of them were wrong. In the beginning, Bitcoin faced many more technical obstacles to its rise than it does today. The biggest criticism between 2012 to 2018 or so was that while it might be good for transacting value and even storing value, it could not be used for everything. One result of this was the hard fork from Bitcoin into Bitcoin Cash. But Lightning puts an end to Bitcoin Cash too. Micropayments, you know the £2 here or there for a coffee or a beer, was simply unworkable. The transaction fees on the Bitcoin blockchain were high, very high. The network fees alone could cost more or as much than what you needed to pay. Nobody was going to pay an extra £2 for a pint of beer just to use Bitcoin, no matter how much they liked Bitcoin. It wasn't really disruptive innovation if the new system was worse than what replaces it. So, of course, Bitcoin never found in those early days its use as a payment processor. It was called a cryptocurrency and yet could not really be used as a currency. It was the other facet of Bitcoin, perhaps the initial concept of Bitcoin as an anti-banking store of value that became its primary use. This use of a store of value became what Bitcoin was known for in the mainstream media, as news stories of its rise in value became all that people could talk about. But in the background, known only to a few hardcore fans, moves were in place to make this cryptocurrency an actual working currency. Even by 2017, Articles by esteemed publications like Bitcoin Magazine were pronouncing the death of micropayments on the Bitcoin blockchain. The average fee in 2017 
was still twice that of credit card transactions. Half the Bitcoin addresses in existence at the time had a lower balance than the contemporary average transaction fees. The situation was bad enough that micropayment startups like Satoshi Pay stopped using Bitcoin for micropayments. And when a company called Satoshi Pay stops accepting Bitcoin, you know you've got to do better. Those in Bitcoin knew there were solutions, but not quite what the solutions were. One solution was Tumblebit, a tumble service that can mix up the coins to avoid on-chain analytics. This was one possible solution. The coming of Segregated Witness, commonly known as Segwit, was another possibility. But the solution, even back then, that attracted the most attention and was seen as the most likely solution was the possibility of a hub-and-spoke network. A hub-and-spoke system, rather than a generalised layer, began to be what the community settled on. The two-layer protocol would mean that Bitcoin would need two different sets of Bitcoin on different systems. The Lightning Network would act as a current account or checking account, and the main blockchain, the first layer, would be the savings account. The problem of micropayments was in theory a difficult one to solve, but it had already been done by Ripple Labs who created XRP and the Stellar Payment Network who created XLM. This is technological advancement. Satoshi's original white paper is of course a work of genius, but it was not quite as perfect as even Satoshi might have admitted. Two elements perhaps strike you looking back on it a decade or two after its release. The Bitcoin blockchain arguably lacks the privacy needed or what you might want for a cryptocurrency, hence the development and success of Monero. Even Satoshi wanted some more privacy features baked in. It also never accounted well enough for micropayments. These problems were solvable, and it was written into the blockchain that the original programming could be changed via either hard or soft forks. The technological development in blockchain technology meant that once it was established that Bitcoin worked and the blockchain worked, it could be imitated, replicated and altered in various ways. Much like once the problem of flight seemed intractable, but once the Wright brothers solved it, it really didn't take very long for technological advancements in flight. The same for blockchain. Once the problem of digital scarcity was solved, it wasn't too difficult to get a blockchain working specifically to solve the issue of micropayments. The earliest micropayments was from Ripple Labs. It began in 2005 as an attempt to provide secure payment options to members of an online community via a global network. It was so early that even Satoshi heard of it, saying, quote, Ripple is interesting in that it's the only other system that does something with trust beside concentrated into a central server." The original Ripple was a simple money transaction service, and of course dating back to 2005, it didn't use blockchains. In 2012, Ripple was sold to a group who wanted to build a future digital currency network. One of the three who bought Ripple Jed Pekleb also founded the infamous Mt. Gox and later left Ripple to start Stellar Lumens. 
Ripple, or XRP, has been quite successful in attracting members of the banking industry to use its payment system to send value between banks. Compared to SWIFT, which takes 2-3 to three days to send payments, Ripple takes 4 seconds. Yet, XRP, infamously, has many problems. It's widely despised by people in the Bitcoin and wider crypto community. And for good reason. The largest problem with XRP is that it is a centralised company. A centralised company with very shady financial dealings. Even if the company itself was one of the most above-board companies ever created, it still would never be able to live up to the promise of the Bitcoin revolution, which advocates for decentralisation and open-source software. Currently, over half the XRP tokens minted aren't in circulation, meaning somebody owns at least half the market. This famously resulted in a recent lawsuit ruling that Ripple and two of its executives were selling XRP as unregistered securities. Because it was sold by a centralised authority, Ripple Labs was not a commodity, but a security. The executives at Ripple were charged by the SEC for selling 14.6 billion XRP tokens for $1.3 billion to fund the company and to enrich themselves. I'm not a fan of XRP, but a slightly better version of XRP is from the Stellar Development Foundation. Though, it should be noted straight away, that foundation is registered in Delaware. This should raise a few alarm bells in itself. Furthermore, the founder of the Stellar Project also founded Mt. Gox, which again, should raise a few alarm bells. Nevertheless, Stellar, or XLM, does do similar things to XRP, and it does use open source software, and does seem to have much better business practices. The Stellar protocol allows for transactions of value across borders, seamlessly and for exceptionally low fees. These were perhaps the first two mainstream systems to facilitate micropayments in a way that Bitcoiners could rejoice at. But yet, where they originated from was a complete anathema to many in the Bitcoin community. The whole point of Bitcoin was that it was decentralised, secured by the blockchain and its users, not a centralised company facilitating payments. So if Bitcoin was to allow for micropayments, it would have to be a more ambitious project. It would have to be on the Bitcoin blockchain and could not be run by a centralised group. Otherwise, it would be no different to Stellar or XRP. There were various attempts at micropayments with Bitcoin before the Lightning Protocol. Micropayments on the Bitcoin blockchain could have been simple to solve if the Bitcoin blockchain was easier to change, but it is not, and it is not designed to be easy. A hard fork, that is, a complete 90 degree angle of change for the blockchain, could have been devastating to the community and the network. When Bitcoin Cash was released, some believed Bitcoin Cash was a Bitcoin killer. But if Bitcoiners were to admit that their blockchain could not do everything they wanted it to do, it could have been devastating to the community. If Bitcoin could not even be used to pay for a coffee, what was the point of it? 
The utopians who dreamed of Bitcoin taking the world would have been a long way off if they'd been fighting wars to hard fork Bitcoin into a new system to get it to work. There would need to be a system that would allow for Bitcoin to accept micropayments without completely changing the bases of Satoshi's original programming. Now for narrative's sake, we chose to talk about the alternatives first. But indeed, Lightning was actually one of the first serious attempts on the Bitcoin blockchain to try and solve the issue of micropayments. It's just that it took a while. Lightning was supported early by many, both in spirit and in capital. Blockstream managed to raise $21 million in late 2014 for a sidechain project to enable interoperability between blockchains. Many now feel that the solution to the micropayments problem has been accomplished by this sidechain. Not a hard fork of Bitcoin to create basically a new coin, but simply an additional layer to the system. The next quote will be taken from the abstract of the Lightning White Paper called The Bitcoin Lightning Network Scalable Off-Chain Instant Payments by Joseph Poon and Thedesius Dryjack. Quote, the Bitcoin protocol can encompass the global financial transaction volume in all electronic payment systems today, without a single custodial third party holding funds or requiring participants to have anything more than a computer using a broadband connection. A decentralized system is proposed whereby transactions are sent over a network of micropayment channels, aka payment channels or transaction channels, whose transfer of value occurs off blockchain. If Bitcoin transactions can be signed with a new SIG hash type that addresses malleability, these transfers may occur between untrusted parties along the transfer route by contracts which, in the event of uncooperative or hostile participants, are enforceable via broadcast over the Bitcoin blockchain in the event of uncooperative or hostile participants through a series of decrementing time locks." Close quotes. The original white paper for Lightning, like Satoshi's white paper, is well worth reading. The Lightning paper is no work of literary accomplishment and brevity like Satoshi's. But the Lightning white paper is still fascinating to read. It's quite technical, but I think just about clear enough for the layman to read. By 2016, Visa was achieving 47,000 transactions per second at its peak. Bitcoin merely seven. There was no possibility for a Visa-like payment system on the Bitcoin blockchain. Any on-chain solution would result in either unwanted centralization of Bitcoin nodes or the collapse of the blockchain. Clearly none of these were wanted. Quote, a prerequisite to prevent that kind of centralization from occurring would require the ability for Bitcoin to be validated by a single consumer level computer on a home broadband connection. Close quotes. The solution was for a network of micropayment channels on top of the main network. 
you could insert a comment here about how the Bitcoin blockchain is starting to look like an onion. It's full of layers. This new system could mean Bitcoin could scale to millions of payments a day with simply the computational power of modern day computers. By setting up micropayment channels in a hub and spoke model, the network can permit deferral of the transaction state to the main blockchain at a later date without risk of theft by an intermediary. Therefore, the authors chose this hub and spoke model of bidirectional payments on and off the blockchain. Quote, Traditionally, financial markets clear transactions by transferring the obligation for delivery at a central point and settle by transferring ownership through the central hub. Bank wire and fund transfer systems, such as ACH and the Visa Card Network, or equities clearinghouses, such as the DDCC, operate in this manner. As Bitcoin enables programmatic money, it is possible to create transactions without connecting a central clearinghouse. Transactions can execute off-chain with no third party which collects all funds before dispersing it. Only transactions with uncooperative channel counterparts become automatically adjudicated on the blockchain. Close quotes. The use cases as listed by Poon and Dreiger in their white paper for this new system were multiple. I will list them here. Instant transactions. Using Lightning, the transactions of nearly instantaneous, meaning a non-revocable payment, is possible in milliseconds. Exchange arbitrage. It would now be possible to move funds on and off from exchanges instantaneously to react to large market moves. These exchanges would not have to hold as many coins as backup. Micropayments. Related to the first use case, the Bitcoin blockchain fees are far too high to accept micropayments. But now it would enable paying per megabyte of internet access or to pay to read a newspaper article. Financial smart contracts and escrow. Financial contracts are time sensitive and impose higher demands on the network. Therefore, moving them to off-chain transactions would mean it would be far easier to have financial smart contracts on off-chain than on it. Cross-chain payments. As long as there are similar hash functions across chains, it would be possible to send payments across different chains. Now to me, the Lightning Network really is not only one of the coolest things about Bitcoin, but the whole of blockchain technologies. Apart from Satoshi's work, I would go as far to say that the Lightning Network is as good, if not better, a technological development than current smart contract technologies. There will be a far quicker real-world use case for Lightning payments than on smart contracts. So how does the Lightning Network work for ordinary people like me and you? Blockchains automate so much in the digital world that most of the things we talked about will happen in the background. But it's important to understand just how it works. So you need a Lightning channel to start with. 
At present, most exchanges do not offer these lightning channels. But now, hardware wallets are starting to do so. Funds are placed into a two-party multi-signature channel, essentially a Bitcoin address. This lightning channel is then represented as an entity on the main Bitcoin blockchain, whilst the lightning channel is still open. To spend money from this new channel, both parties must agree on the new balance. The current balance is stored as the most recent transaction and signed by both parties. To make payment, both parties sign a new exit transaction. Payments can be made across a network of open channels without the need for any party to have unilateral custodial ownership of the funds. It enables a trusted financial system without the need for a centralised force controlling everything. The release of Lightning has unfortunately not involved the banking corporations seeing the error of their ways and realising that Bitcoin is the most disruptive piece of innovation in the financial world in at least the last 5,000 years and understanding that two of the biggest problems of the original Bitcoin blockchain, the scalability problem and the difficulty of microtransactions, are now essentially solved. Since its introduction, very much like Bitcoin itself, the Lightning Network has been working perfectly well, and I'm sure it will pretty much always work perfectly. But without major institutions, it is having to be built from the ground up. JP Morgan, or HSBC, are not funding billions into installing Lightning payments in coffee shops and in their branches. Even as late as 2020, Forbes published an article on Lightning called, quote, Bitcoin's Lightning Network is struggling to overcome fundamental issues, close quotes. Having read this article three times, I'm failing to see what issue the quote-unquote fundamental issue the author is referencing the Lightning Network is struggling to overcome. I'd imagine the article was an over-eager sub-editor spreading fear, uncertainty and doubt. But we Bitcoiners should be used to that now. It's clear that there is no major obstacle to lightning and no fundamental issue. Forgetting the fear, uncertainty and doubt, the lightning network has gone from strength to strength over the past year or two. The number of Bitcoins locked into the network is growing exponentially. El Salvador is rolling out lightning across the country as part of its drive to make Bitcoin legal tender. Today, even tech entrepreneurs like Jack Dorsey are getting involved in its rollout. And since the few days since writing this podcast and recording it, Twitter has started to implement Lightning payments on its system. It is worth looking at Dorsey's role within Lightning. People like Michael Saylor have already discovered the remarkable properties of digital scarcity, but Dorsey is seemingly well ahead of the field and is already pushing the Lightning Network in various ways. Dorsey has long been a proponent of Bitcoin, not blockchain. He famously took part in 2019's Passing of the Lightning Torch, where users on Twitter experimented with the Lightning Network by sending payments to nominated parties via Lightning and adding a little extra Bitcoin themselves. Dorsey was sent the nudge to participate by podcast host Matt Odell. Dorsey himself then passed the lightning torch 
onto Lightning Labs CEO Elizabeth Stark. Dorsey has also been looking at ways to integrate Lightning specifically onto his platforms, as we mentioned. Not only is Twitter now implementing it, but as CEO of Square, he's in a position to roll it out across Square too. Perhaps the biggest move to date on the Lightning Network has been El Salvador adopting the Lightning Network to facilitate micropayments across the country. Bitcoin as legal tender was remarkable enough, but as we've talked about, it faced numerous issues of scalability and large network fees. But it seems like Lightning has solved the issues. It's for this reason that Bitcoin now is able to be thought of, made and used as legal tender. Without the ability to pay a pound here or there for something or other, it would mean there could be no use of Bitcoin as legal tender in a country. Fiat money has micropayments enabled by cash and numerous payment networks like debit and credit cards. Now Bitcoin has the same. So the Lightning Network. It is not part of the Bitcoin blockchain in the narrowest sense of being on the original layer, but a second layer on top of Satoshi's dream of internet money. Satoshi did not manage to solve every issue possible in the original programming of Bitcoin, but he was wise enough to know this. Lightning enables functional micropayments of Bitcoin. Bitcoin in totality is the best way man has ever invented of sending value around the world. Whether that be £1 or £1 billion, you can now use Bitcoin for all your needs. The only thing keeping it from growing is resistance from incumbents, which shouldn't surprise anybody. The Lightning Network will expand and expand until it's used in every corner shop, coffee shop, supermarket and pub the world over. Not because people will be forced to use it, but because it is better than anything else. Lightning will get easier to use and more intuitive. It will slowly develop to become native across the internet spending your sats through lightning channels, which will then funnel into the real world. It will get easier and easier to send and receive lightning payments. You will get paid pennies or a few pounds for that little bit of work you did and get it paid through lightning. The world will become ever more enmeshed into the Bitcoin system. The system works brilliantly and it will complement how we want finance to work in the modern day internet age. It will enable you to have a true and secure savings account along with a current account in Lightning. Lightning is going to change the world. So thank you for listening to that episode. In the next one, we are going to start looking at the stock to flow model. The stock to flow model, as published by Dutch economist, the pseudonymous Plan B, has just about reached the level where it is gaining mainstream attention. It's a fascinating model, and in my opinion, one of the most accurate models out there for explaining Bitcoin's growth. I'll see you then.